worries. No worries. John, thanks um, so much for joining us today. Just give us a little bit of background on some of the spaces you orient yourself in in the co-op movement and philanthropy and otherwise. Right. I appreciate that. Um, I, I think first and foremost, as you, as, you, as you look at this and if you say to me, you know, tell my story, um, you know, I spent the bulk of my career in government relations. And I think that um, it was a great foundation because, you know, for what people know about, you know, lobbying and government relations work, it's all about relationships. And so when I decided um, seven years ago, going on eight to move over from Capital Impact Partners, um, you know, one of the larger CDFIs, in the country where I started their government relations program, I wanted to come and do business development on the bank side. And so again, just like um, government relations, it's all about relationships. And so what I've tried to do um, since then, um, you know, our, our former CEO who passed away unexpectedly on November 6th would always say to me, you know, you wanna be the one behind the mic, not the one sitting in the audience. And so that's really what I've tried to do in a lot of different ways. I mean, number one, I've tried to position the bank uh, in the co-op and community development world, uh, albeit with uh, community development financial institutions, um, and tell a story about our mission and how important our mission is to us. Uh, and, and, you know, Chuck would always say, you want to do well to do good. And so that at its core is the foundation of, of who I am as a person and just wanting to help people. And so um in the process of going through that, I, I was able to make some inroads on the philanthropic side with some, some of the major foundations, um, try to understand the language a little bit more, uh, impact investing and whatnot. And then uh, as well, looking at federal government resources, uh, uh, piggybacking on my lobbying experience or, or government relations experience. And then last but not least, on the business side, looking at, at what some of the current trends were in the cooperative space, in the community development credit union space, community development banking. Um, you know, it's fascinating that all of a sudden minority deposit institutions are a, a big thing and many of them have been around for more than a hundred years. And, you know, now it's, uh, I remember years ago seeing one of the larger banks in the country stand on a stage at a CDFI conference and say, well, they were no longer gonna work with uh, minority deposit institutions and now, I mean, uh, larger corporations can't give them deposits fast enough, so much so that a lot of them are having a hard time getting the money out the door because they don't have the technology platforms that um, they need to do so. And they've been doing things for, for so long a certain way. But as time went on, um, and I transitioned from business development uh, over into thought leadership uh, with the strategic initiatives team, you know, I really began to see things with a, di a different light. And, 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 and one of the things that I found was that uh, it became harder and harder uh, for me to do deals uh, in a regulated environment. You know, and one of the things that Chuck would always teach me was you can never get married to the deals. And I'm guilty. I've been married to 20 de <laughs> deals over the course of my career. It's just I can't I can't not help myself. But but we also talked about. Uh, the creation of a mission lending entity that would allow us to do um, those type of mission driven loans outside of a um, regulated arena. And so the idea was to try to create some nonprofit loan fund. We looked at community development credit, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, community development corporations, but there still was a regulatory tie there. And so funny enough, we were just in a meeting one day and I just said to him, I said, you know, why don't we just, um, create a community development financial institution or CDFI. And so at that point, the, 
the dream was born. And uh, it's what I spent the most of 2021 working on. And, and on December 2nd, 2021, uh, the Rochdale uh, Capital um, Corporation was created. Uh, we're an emerging CDFI uh, who believes strongly in the promotion of cooperative and community ownership. Um, we, we feel that ownership is the the foundation of all vibrant communities. Uh, and so that's that's our mantle. Uh, we're building the infrastructure now. There'll be a you know a, a marketing rollout here pretty soon, but I have to hire a loan officer, a credit officer, you know, create loan policies, credit policies, and then in, the, in a perfect world, do a few loans uh, over uh, a 90 day period to have some, a portfolio and some financials. And then we're gonna officially apply to the CDFI fund for certification on um in, in june and you know uh in, in this day and time uh, cdfi certification is a good housekeeping seal of approval so you know that's really my background um uh and and, and what brings me here uh, I will, i'll be the first to tell you and i'll tell folks all the time that i'm not necessarily the rate and terms person so uh, don't ask me about rate and terms but i uh jokingly say that um I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer but i do have a drawer full of knives and really depends strongly upon my network of people um, that um, I've had a chance to meet and work with over the years, i.e. people like you, Felipe. Thank you, John. Well, I would love to, to kind of go into the some of the history and identity of cooperatives um, and some of the tensions, I think, in this history. Um, and I think some of how when we talk about um, co-ops, we don't often acknowledge some of the mistakes we as co-op leaders have made. And I right. know you've been close to, like you said, many deals that the bank has made. You've been privy to lots of other activity in the landscape. You know the history, your naming of your new initiative, Rochdale, indicates um, history. You're close with some of the prominent leaders that are advocating for another principle as this you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice peer group amongst mm-hmm. co-op leaders. We're looking for more to lean into mm-hmm. that justice edge. Um, I'm curious a little bit about what you would acknowledge as some of the mistakes you feel like we've made individually or collectively um, to begin to accept from here. Uh, and, and one of the best stories I love, and obviously, like you said, we're, we're paying homage to our cooperative roots by calling the CDFI, emerging CDFI Rochdale Capital after the Rochdale Society, you know, over in the UK that created the seven principles. But there's this great story, and David Thompson um, tells it a lot, and he's where I really learned it from, is that there was a period during Frederick Douglass's time, the great American abolitionist, um, Black abolitionist, uh, where he spent time in um, the UK on a two-year period uh, and befriended uh, John Prince, who was a member of that Rochdale Society, uh, and who went on, essentially, to give him, uh, I think, one-third of the money that he um, uh, needed to buy his freedom and uh, actually would return one more time. And, and, and when we were thinking about names for the organization, um, uh, Camp, um, Cambria was actually one that came up because that was the name of the transatlantic ship that um, uh, D- Douglas uh, took there and back. And so I, I, I say that to set it as a foundation and, and not to be a negative, of course, but, but, but from that point forward uh, onward, uh, again, you've seen this, um, um, either intentional or unintentional, um, uh, this difference in regards to the cooperative uh, world uh, and communities of color. Uh, and I'm not just talking about food co-ops. I'm not just talking about cooperative housing. I'm talking about uh, credit unions as well, you know, uh, the creation of credit unions and whatnot. Um, and I think that there's a, a lot of unconscious bias that goes into a lot of that. I mean, one of the ones that I you know, listen, I've, we've, we've been able to do a transactions at the bank that were high mission. We've got one that's in a majority um, 
uh, a black community uh, in, in the Midwest. I'm not going to not going to um, say the name just yet, but you hear about it. High mission deal that I'm really excited about because it's the first transit oriented development in this major city, and it's a it's a co op. And so um, while we have opportunities like that, there have been a lot that have come across um, that we haven't been able to do. You know, from a credit and risk standpoint. Uh, and many of them um, have been in communities of color. And so I think that uh, there needs to be uh, a, a mechanism by which, like one of the things that people don't know about CDFIs is that development services is a huge part of what they do. And so from a Rochdale standpoint, I see this as a, a tremendous opportunity you know, because we're, we're our targeted markets are going to be targeted populations many of which will be black and brown communities, but I see it as an opportunity from a development services standpoint, um, capacity building, technical assistance, whatever you want to call it, a way to, to, to teach uh, uh, them about cooperatives, you know, to go into these communities and say, hey, you can start a credit union. Hey, you can start a, a food co-op. You can do, uh, can take your, your, your building, your multifamily building and, and turn it into a cooperative. Um, you know, I always tell this, story. I went to Chicago. We had a, a, a grocery store we financed there. Uh, it's going to be three blocks from the Obama Center. And um, uh, I walk in and, and um, you know, there was a lot of people there. It was grand opening. We had some NCB bags and we were giving away some some free um, groceries and whatnot. But um, a couple older uh, Black women approached me and said, you know, um, you know, do you own the store? And I said, um, no, I don't own the store. And said, funny enough, why would you ask me that? She said, well, first of all, it's really cold outside and you're not wearing a coat and <laughs> you've got a, a suit on with no tie. And I said, okay, uh, duly noted. But uh, literally for the next 30 minutes, um, I probably, there's probably 10 people total that had, had formed this semicircle around me and they all told me how they were afraid that they were going to lose their community once uh, the Obama Center opened. And uh, people had already started coming in and buying up a lot of properties and whatnot. Um, and uh, there's a community based or the CDFI there called Chicago Community Loan Fund who approached me some time ago. And the first thing I thought about was there is a majority black cooperative that's not housing. That's not far from the Obama Center. And um, they needed some financing. And I really called their president CEO a lot because I wanted to make sure that we could have something to do uh, with them. I don't know if it was a refi, I don't know what it was, but they never got themselves together where, where we could um, do that financing for them. But there's a perfect example of where you have this already existing community in South Shore of Chicago that is, you know, well-established, beautiful architecturally, but it's been an afterthought for a certain amount of time. And now with the Obama Center coming in, now it becomes this hotbed. And it's not just, you know, the people that live there or, you know, this, this community didn't have a grocery store for eight years and we were able to finance and be a part of the group that financed this grocery store. But I can't get that co-op out of my mind because I obviously don't want them to change um, and, 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 and demutualize and be bought up or uh, whatnot. And so it's important for us to to, to be true to, to these communities, but also at the same time, the cooperative principles. And I think sometimes that they don't always go hand in hand. Uh, Renaissance uh, Community Co-op is another one that I think about constantly. I went to college in Greensboro at North Carolina A&T and uh, was so excited about Renaissance. And I think it's been probably pulled apart and talked about and 
and and and, and studied uh, a lot. But um, it really broke my heart when you know when they had, when they folded. I really had a lot of hope uh, for that um, um, store, seeing as how they had a grocery store in 17 years. The city builds this beautiful library across the parking lot, but yet we couldn't. Um, uh, keep it, the doors open in, you know, my alma mater is the largest HBCU in the country, could have adopted Renaissance. And every student, every homecoming, which generates 20 to 25 million bucks every year, you know, that that could have been like the tailgate homecoming central, but, but it was not. So we've got a lot to do to overcome uh, unconscious bias in the space. We've got a lot to do from a Capacity building, I'm not a big fan of technical assistance, but a capacity building standpoint to let uh, folks in black and brown communities know that cooperatives do exist. Uh, one of the things that I ask our SVP of marketing at the bank, Mary Alex, is this great little uh, pamphlet we used to have called um, What is a Co op? You'd be surprised to know. And um, I asked her, could she order some more? Because I want to use them in a lot of our outreach um, as an organization, because I want, you know, you go to Capitol Hill and you talk to a, a congressional staffer about a cooperative and they have no idea what you're talking about. And 90% of them have accounts at the Senate federal credit union or the, or the, or the congressional federal credit union. And, and, and then you tell them and it's like the light goes off. And so I think you're seeing a lot of that mixed with millennials mixed with generation Z that are going to come along. Generation Z is supposed to be the smartest, most diverse uh, generation ever. And so I think it's, it's a, it's a window of opportunity for us to really capitalize on this. Uh, and so I think if we miss the boat, um, it'll be for generations to come. And uh, I don't wanna see us do that, I don't. And so the combination of the philanthropic, the government, the finance, the corporation, the business, I wanna try to, to take that and uh, uh, kind of create this, uh, what people are calling inclusive cap, uh, community development now, uh, uh, so that all of those, come together. So it's inclusive cooperative development and not necessarily community development. So that's some of the things that, you know, I'm trying or thinking about as it relates to strategic initiatives at the bank. That's so helpful, John. And I think one of the things we're trying to say is that there's a lot we can do, as you just said, to reaffirm or to affirm and to resolve ourselves to do the ongoing education is to see the systemic and structural nature of um, the challenges here um, yeah. in our economy more broadly. I think you did a great job of pointing the community dimensions of the food co-op in Chicago you told the story of and just the real estate dynamics of gentrification. And the fear is so real because it's happened thousands of times over in thousands of communities across our country, right? And it's happened right. generations if we go back to redlining and banks and the existence of similar types of contract buying situations for so many black homeowners today, right. um, aspiring wealth building situations that then get undercut for all kinds of reasons. And we have the repetition of extraction um, in, in many sectors. Mm -hmm. I think as a co-op movement, we build a structurally different model where we have different stakeholders, not just capital driving the bus, right? We have some democracy and the consumers or customers owning it, the producers owning it, the workers having some say. We have all these examples and many X scale with credit unions and rural electrics and agriculture and mutuals. We have so many options. Um, can you just give us a little bit of a hopeful outline of, I think, how we can embrace some of the moment and the tensions and the people questions people are asking to kind of say, we have a track record of impact, but we got to do more to structurally analyze how we can structurally affirm um, some of what we might have to offer? I think, I think, I mean, first of all, right now you're starting to see, um, um, you know, cooperatives uh, getting more of a 
uh, attention in the U.S. Congress. And so I think it's, it's going to be an opportunity for us, hopefully in the future, from a demonstration standpoint, for some program to be created to provide it so much needed capital. But I think also, too, um, this is going to be a this is going to be a great opportunity for community development financial institutions as well as um, minority deposit institutions to, to have some some um, listen most black banks that were started 100 years ago or 75 years ago majority of the lending they did were to, to black churches and that's great um, but as time has gone on that has had to change and so i think that um and there's this really uh, there's this new group called spark um that um i should really turn you all on to it's a couple cdfis and i think it's the kellogg foundations in there and some other folks but they really are honing in on this thought of community ownership and cooperatives are a piece of that, community land trust are a piece of that. And so when you start having organizations like that, especially with Kellogg, with their big push around racial racial equity, you know, I think that, you know, EDI and J, equity, uh, diversity, inclusion and justice are gonna become some of the marching orders uh, uh, for uh, um, future um, cooperative development. And I think that, uh, if we don't do that, I think we're going we're gonna to miss a tremendous opportunity. So I, I think that like all the stars are starting to align. Uh, and I think I, I remember years ago <coughs> going to a, uh, a meeting with all of these co-op legends in, uh, in Crystal City. And like like then the, the major ask was that there'd be the creation of some co-op caucus in Congress. And then there'd be some huge uh, omnibus co-op bill. And while uh, there is a cooperative business caucus now, uh, and there are some things that are coming through Congress now that um, uh, are based upon cooperatives. I mean, that was 17 years ago. And so it shows you how long that it takes, but it also shows you that, um, you know, the people that were attendants at this um, are, were co-op legends and co-op heroes. And so I challenge folks uh, on this as the chair of the CDFI coalition, National CDFI coalition, you know, where is the bench? Like, where's the, the bench for CDFIs? Where's the bench for cooperative development? Where, you know, where where, where is the, the next, um, you know, I mean, you know, when we lost, when you lose people like Ralph Page and, and, and Chuck Snyder. I mean, those are huge um, um, shoes to fill. Uh, and so, um, you know, we, we've got to do a better job of cultivating the ranks. Um, you know, I know for, you know, for example, Federation of Southern Cooperatives, they have a loan fund. And one of the things that I'm, trying to work with them on is that for them to be able to capitalize this loan fund and then apply for CDFI certification um, so that they can um, use that um, CDFI to help the farmers uh, throughout the Southeast. Right now in the philanthropic world, the Southwest and the Southeast are very hot. So you're starting to see a lot of place-based strategies. Um, there, you know, but a lot of people don't know that Kellogg has had an office in Jackson, Mississippi for more than 25 years. And so you know, I mean, all this stuff is cyclical in some regards, but I think that there's an opportunity for us right now with all these various stars aligning and these efforts like Spark and community ownership. And, you know, I even went back and found this um, old report from um, when I worked at Capital Impact Partners when it was called NCB Capital Impact called Home Base. And it just talked about cooperative development. And it's just, it was like finding a, a treasure, <laughs> a treasure. Uh, and actually, Spark has it as a part of a, a document that they have. Um, and what they did was, I thought was so uh, unique, is they didn't do a, a hundred page document, but they did a, a, a collection of various links to other documents and things that already exist. And not only did they do that, but they put on there, you know, three minute read, you know, uh, 
20 minute read uh, and whatnot. And for uh, as busy as folks are um, in this world today, um, I found it to be very helpful. So I don't know that everybody answered the, the question, Felipe, but it felt good to give it to you. <laughs> it felt good to give it to you. I don't no, know what I, did. It's so helpful, John, to hear you reflect and you operate at so many altitudes, especially thinking about the history of the Co-op Caucus and I think the moment in time we're at today. And it's just great to have a sense of your um, personal passion and ambition, but also your sense of connectedness, interconnectedness across CDFI coalitions, across, I think, this challenging space in finance where we're trying to get some of the um, I think well-known impact opportunities, which have been in community development. And we're trying to get this new wave of interest from impact investors who I think uh, are looking for higher returns than kind of concessionary debt often offered, but are looking for more equity-like things. And we have such this huge rise of black entrepreneurship, um, but so often capital doesn't appreciate or how to deploy to them. And there's not this intermediate infrastructure. So I'm just really um, grateful for what you just mapped for us as some of the contours you see. And I think some of your own leadership as we'll see more on this years ahead with Rochdale um, being incorporated now and I think your leadership there. So any final words and then we'll kind of shift to part two with the more discussion. You know, uh, I mean, not this time, Felipe, again, I, I'll say this and I, you know, I read the, the latest uh, concept earlier. Again, it's, you know, w- what we do, what we do here in the future is going to come down to two things, thought leadership and capital. And I think we can't um, downplay the thought leadership piece. Listen, I'm not a whiteboard person. <laughs> I'm not, I got friends that do that stuff. Uh, I'm more of a back of the napkin person. Sometimes can be a little bit uh, too impulsive, but at the same time, um, at the end of the day, you know, like I tell my 15 year old, it's not about the grade, it's about the effort. And I think that we really need to put forth an effort here moving forward to, to, to raise a level of visibility, advocate, fight. You know, like I, I tell people often that CDFIs were once an idea, then they became a movement, and now it's an industry. And I think when we lost the movement, you know, I think we lost a lot. Um, uh, Andrew Young told me once at a Federation dinner that, you know, John, you know why uh, uh, (laughs) the civil rights uh, 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 movement ended? And I said, no, Ambassador Young, why? He said, because Black folks got air conditions. And when they got those air conditions, they stopped going out in the streets. And so... That's always resonated with me. Uh, and again, we need to we need to get out of the air condition and go out here and really promote and, and uh, uh, you know, talk about the cooperative principles in the way. So thank you. My great grandfather was a preacher. So thank you for letting me <laughs> get that out. <laughs>